how do we truly create lasting habits? Are health and fitness metric indicators more important than how we actually feel? On today's episode, we discuss a health app called No Way that uses mindfulness, self-reflection, and behavioral perspectives to achieve health through self-awareness. Welcome to Truly Fit. Welcome to the Truly Fit Podcast, where we interview experts in fitness and health to expand our wisdom and wealth. I'm your host, Steve Washuda, co-founder of Truly Fit and author of Fitness Business 101. On today's episode, I interview Valerie Evans. She's a PhD behavior analyst, and we're going to be talking mainly about her app. That's the line share of our conversation. It is called No Way, N-O-W-E-I-G-H. You could find that on any of the app stores that you use to download apps, and you could also find that on noway.com. Now, Valerie and I also discuss habit building, and we get into uh, random conversations about our lives. But the majority of the conversation is based around the app. What is the app? Well, your standard fitness and health apps are what? They're about restrictive dieting and food logging and all of these hardcore metrics with checks that people get obsessed with. Valerie said, I'm going to deviate from that. I'm going to build another app that focuses more on intentions and motivations and how to build the proper day-to-day habits and becoming more self-aware. So I think it's a fantastic idea. It really wasn't in the marketplace and it puts more emphasis on how you feel and less about what the numbers say. It was a great conversation. With no further ado, here is Valerie Evans and I. Valerie, thank you so much for joining the Truly Fit Podcast. Why don't you give my listeners and audience a little background on who you are and what it is that you do day-to-day in the health and fitness space. I'm a... um educational psychologist and a board certified behavior analyst. And uh, I started out working with clients, mainly uh, individuals with autism and intellectual disability, working on programs at home and in schools, in the community, residential settings. I also worked at a program level as a research associate, the school district of Philadelphia. The last 10 years, I've been a continuing education provider, which requires, um, it's, it's my own business, and it's designed as a text-based, interactive, lit review type module. And I do a lot of reading of research, and I've got really up to date on everything that's happening in behavior analysis. And that has provided me this opportunity, which is really where I always wanted to be, disseminating behavior analysis to professionals and individuals in a way that they can use it in their daily life or with their own clients to um, enhance their experiences and get them going with um, how they want their life, their daily life to feel and uh, be. And my first... um, my first attempt at this is a app that I call a weight loss app that's a diet alternative. And uh, it's called No Way. And it's based completely 100% on behavior analysis. Before we get into No Way, I want to take a step back here. So you said you're, you were or you maybe still do continuing education provider. Does that mean that there are like board certified X, Y, and Z of what you do you create the program so that people, when they need to keep up their continuing education, they they take your courses or your tests. Yes, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, so I, so I did that for for fitness for a little while, um, and it's a little bit easier on fitness because you can just create anything you want and then send it to the board, and they almost always approve it as long as you pay. Um, the problem is the market got really saturated. 
and people started charging like almost nothing to take it. So it wasn't like worthwhile for me to spend hours and hours and hours to create something good. And then mm -hmm. let's say I was charging $300 for it and someone else would come over the top and for the same continuing education units, they would be charging like $30 instead of 300. So it's like, well, so I stopped doing it. So I don't know exactly how that works in your industry. Do they charge like a dollar amount per unit? You, the way it works is you become approved as a provider and then you can put out the content that just meets their requirements. So uh, but every piece of content doesn't need to be approved. And um, what actually happened is I, when I was first recertifying, all I could find online were PowerPoints with voiceovers. And I just cannot pay attention to those. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just immediately distracted. So I was, I'm really more of a reading to learn type learner. And um, that that was my inspiration. So these are interactive lit reviews that um, attempt to answer questions with recent research and also um, identify what the remaining questions are. And then they kind of the, the objective is to translate the research into something that's uh, readily usable for professionals so that they could take the course and then walk away with something that they can begin implementing immediately. That's awesome. Do you think it could or like extend to like physicians? Like I'm sure like this, that information is also good for, let's say, a pediatrician or like a general practitioner, not just someone who works in, in exactly what you do. Or do you think no, because now you have to go through like a different board to get that approved? That is, yeah, that's the hurdle. Yeah. But yeah, that would be um, a cool way to expand for sure. Yeah. So let's go talk about No Way a little bit here. Uh, walk me through the app experience. I download the app today. I don't even know if it is currently active or if it will be active soon, but let's go ahead and say it is. I download the app today. I register, put in my login. What, what is the next step? What is the user experience like? Okay, well, yeah, it is available on Apple and Android today. And um, the first thing you do is you contact some interactive content so that you have the information on behavior analysis that you may implement in your own daily life. And there's some assumptions that go with this app. One of them is that users are the experts on what their daily life is like and how it is experienced. So by providing them with these tools, they can most um, expertly implement them in their um, in their daily life to fit their own contexts. So these um, interactive content modules are really short. They're about seven minutes. And there's um, 12 core ones, so you can kind of get through all of them in two weeks comfortably. And in the process, you're acquiring um, behavior analytic techniques that you can use that generate motivation that um, weaken unhelpful habits and strengthen the ones that you want to promote. And there's also reflections every day. They take about three minutes and that's what you would continue to do. Um, once you have all this, you know, information, you're implementing it, you just take three minutes at the end of the day to answer some really easy reflection questions to uh, orient you to your day and how what was great about it, and then also what you might change tomorrow. And there's a weekly intention as well, and a whole bunch of extra content that users can um, review that might apply to some users and not others. 
Um, so it's really like you become, you're already the expert on you. Now you acquire this behavior analytic information and you fit it into your day and um, you see how, how easy it is to change. Are there questions in the beginning? I know you mentioned that it's kind of specific to each individual because you're the expert on your day. So if I'm a 54-year-old mother of four as opposed to a 21-year-old male, I mean, are the questions I'm being asked potentially different or is it just the the kind of responses I would get are, are different? Yeah, the um, all of the content will apply. There's... Um, there's applications. It's very, very interactive. So there's a lot of um, applications of how this would look for different types of lives and experiences. And then also a lot of different applications that, um, um, that demonstrate different ways that it could fit into someone's life, considering various barriers, you know, like being a mother of four or um, having some type of chronic health issues such as experiencing pain um, or various things that will affect your motivation and how you experience your day. Now, initially you said you be, you, you like to become a, a continuing education provider because you saw that the market was missing something, right? You would go on and you saw like, oh, there's, there's just boring PowerPoints. I'm going to create something better. Is this sort of what the app came from? You were looking for something like this, or did you actually maybe stumble upon another app? You're like, this needs X, Y, and Z features to become what I believe it could become. Both. Yeah, both. I was it's very it's inspired by personal experience definitely i was recovering from surgery and i felt very disconnected from my own body it was very a very uncomfortable state to be in to feel you know kind of like it was my head and this you know like cyborg type situation except unlike a robot it wasn't really doing what i was telling it to do it was more like um just this this foreign thing, you know, and I, I wanted to reconnect with myself. And I um, downloaded some familiar weight loss apps. And those, those did more to disconnect me from my body, because they impose some rules and restrictions that you need to follow. And in doing so, you're moving your attention away from what your body's telling you. And you're redirecting it to following the guidelines and rules of this, you know, diet program. And then at the end of your day, it's not really how you feel or noticing those differences. It's about earning your, your blue dot or your green check mark or maintaining some type of streak or um, some type of graph that um, is supposed to motivate you and keep you going. So I wanted something that was a little more intrinsic and personal and really um, got me got me back to um, feeling like myself. And one of the diet apps I actually downloaded during that time did promote itself as a behavioral psychology approach to weight loss. And I was, you know, very excited to take it, um, especially being a behavior analyst. And I was just so disappointed because it just turned out to be the same, you know, calories in, calories out type of application with some, you know, psychology overlaid on top, sort of just like, you know, for like inspiration, but not as an integrated approach. So I made no way. And I, in doing so, I just completely cut out all of the 
documenting, weighing, measuring, budgeting that goes with um, a typical weight loss approach. So this is like 100% different. It's like the the opposite. And it, it was inspired by feeling offended, you know, that, that if this, this wasn't going to work for me, I was the one that was left feeling like a failure. And then also um, inspired that other people who don't have the behavior analytic knowledge I do would also feel like a failure, failing at these programs. And I just don't think that's true. I don't think not being able to follow a restriction diet makes you a failure at weight loss. I just think it's the wrong approach. I agree. And I like it from both perspectives. The sort of economics nerd likes it because everyone was doing one thing and you said, well, this isn't here in the market. So I'm going to do the other thing, right? Just from that perspective. But then more from what I do as a living, right? At personal trainer trying to help people. I see how disheartening it is for people to go open up some of their apps and say, hey, I'm following everything here, right? I got all those check marks, as you said, on, in each thing. I'm, I'm taking my calories down. I'm going for my daily walks. I've done this. It's been three months and I haven't seen the results. Well, it's because everyone's body's different. Maybe they're not sleeping. Maybe they're stressed. Maybe they have underlying health issues. You know, whatever that may be, they need an individualized plan for them. And it's disheartening when they just keep looking at the numbers and they're not concerned with, you know, how do you feel? And, and then it goes the other way around. Sometimes I'll, I'll see clients who they don't feel great, but they're losing weight. And they think it's a good thing, but they're they're not sleeping well, and and they don't look great. If that makes sense, right? Maybe the, maybe the scale says the number they want it to say, but they look frail, and they're probably not healthy, right? So this this gives you a, a a better sense of how do I feel day to day. Let me let me go back to just because it, it's so funny how uh, I was just talking to my wife about this. If if for some reason you decide not to weigh yourself at all, you decide not to count calories, decide not to weigh yourself at all we're very in tune with our bodies where we have a sense if things are working or not, right? If I go on a diet and workout regimen for three months and I can't look at any metrics, I can tell you if it's working, mm -hmm. right? By, by looking down at myself, by how I feel, by how I'm sleeping, by my energy levels, all of these things. Right? That's what people did for the, the, the whole span of time before, right. right? Before we had these things, right? There's people 300 years ago, they weren't like, you know, they, they weren't eating something terrible and being like, oh, I'm not really sure if I, they were assessing how they felt after they ate the thing not looking at numbers necessarily. So I'm glad you're, you're providing something that isn't on the market, number one, but number two, you're allowing people to step away from things that are typically more disheartening than, uh, than positive. Yeah, uh, so so let's, let's talk about ha habit building and being a behavioral analyst. Uh, tell me a little bit about what maybe the general public uh, misconstrues about habit building. What's, what's important? What, what do we do that we, uh, what do we currently not do that we should or vice versa? What are we doing that we shouldn't? Well, the way behavior analysts look at habit building is um, that habit strengthening and habit weakening go together. So if you're strengthening a response and other responses being weakened, if you're trying to eliminate something and weaken a response, another response will fill its spot, either intention, you know, the intentional one that you chose or a default one that you didn't see coming. Um, sort of like, you know, gaining weight when you stop smoking type of thing. Um, the, the, th the mistake a lot of people make or the tendency, I guess, just culturally, the way we think about change is like looking at this, like new year's resolution type of, um, way of looking at it where you're just, you know, I start my diet on Monday or from this point forward, or now, now this is going to be true to, 
true to me. And um, there's this rigidity where um, you're kind of like set on a path that is, is going to derail at some point because um, it lacks flexibility and it lacks that contextual perspective where you're seeing that the responses you're doing now are a result of a um, a history with this context and your tendencies to respond a certain way, what motivates you and um, the patterns that you've been responding, you know, using all along to get through your daily life. Because all of the habits that we have now, all of the patterns of responding have been established because they were solving some problem. They're adaptive, you know, even if they're not helpful, they're still adaptive. So like for me, I'm, I'm, my big problem is that I'm tired a lot. I feel like exhausted and that really weakens my um, ability to do what I want to do, how I want my day to go. And I, I fall back on some default responses and one of, you know, my tendencies is to snack when I'm feeling tired and it is very effective. Um, the, when I was actually, when I was breastfeeding, I got into this because, you know, that made me very, very feeling very <laughs> exhausted all the time, but they, um, I got into M&Ms and they, they don't make the bag of M&Ms like they did when I was a kid, which is kind of a huge bag and you cut it on one end, but it actually like stands up on the counter on its own and has this big opening. You could just like grab M&Ms whenever you're feeling like, you know, <laughs> tired and you're trying not to sit down and you're trying not to zone out. And you know what? It works. Um, taking a second and doing some stretching also works. Uh, so it's the eating the M&Ms is adaptive. It is not helpful. But if I want to stop doing that, I want to identify something that'll take its place. So if I'm if I'm thinking about grabbing some M&Ms or I notice myself snacking on them, that's okay. Next time I'm going to stretch and that's going to be probably a more effective response. And I just have to fit it into that context where I'm replacing the old habit with the new habit. Yeah, that's great. I want to go back to something you said, though. You said that habits are sort of interconnected with you have one habit that increases, one habit decreases. Explain that a little bit more. Maybe maybe let me give you like an anecdote and tell me where if I'm wrong here. Like, let's say I go to bed really late. Uh, and I decide to start going to bed early. Does that mean now because I go to bed early, another positive response comes out of that? Like it's connected, like now I wake up earlier and I have more energy. Are you saying that like a one good, there's going to be a bad habit somewhere? Like how are the habits connected? Um, well, it would all be contextual. So if you want to go to bed early, one thing you want to think about um there's a lot of reinforcement that's going to go with that, you know, being able to wake up earlier and get more done at the beginning of the day. And the getting more done at the beginning of the day might be, you know, working out or prepping yourself for your day, productivity type of things too. But then what, what are you doing in the evening that you're not doing now that you're going to bed early? Maybe that's your time to connect with your partner, or maybe that's your time to read, you know, and, and that will be removed. So you will you will be going to bed earlier, but you, you may also be spending less time with your partner. Or you may you know fall behind on your um, you know your shows that you like to watch or that inspire you in some way. So seeing everything as interconnected, like a like a web of responses where everything has 
something that inspires it to happen. And then it also inspires other responses to follow it. I'm going to ask you a tough one here. Do you use your, uh, do you put your behavior analyst hat on with children? Uh, or is that just a, is that a totally another end of the spectrum? Like if you're going to habit build with a child, is it the same way that you would talk to me as an adult? Oh yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Um, so a lot of, uh, what we talk about in no way is being aware of your mood, your arousal level. Are you feeling hyper? Are you feeling exhausted? Um, being aware of your contexts and the history of responses. So that's some of the um, thinking ahead and reflecting that you might want to do for the child. Be aware of that. Like um, trying to potty train my two-year-old right now. Me too. And... <laughs> really? Same age, yeah. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, trying not to ruin the couch in the process. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> but she wakes up in the morning. I would love, you know, she really, she loves to put on her pretty princess dresses. So she wakes up in the morning. She wants to get dressed. That's a great opportunity for me to say, okay, yeah, as part of getting dressed, we're going to sit on the potty and I can take off your diaper. But the reality is when she wakes up in the morning, she's really grumpy and she doesn't want to be told what to do. And she responds better after she has breakfast and feels more awake and is kind of, oriented to her day and what she wants to do. So, um, I, you know, I would kind of notice that myself and then wait until she's, until I notice the, the cues that she's ready to sit on the potty and then start our potty training day from there. That makes sense. I guess you also don't want to build maybe a, a negative association with something, right? It's like you're, you're, yeah. if the child is forced to do it, and they don't want to be there, then there's that negative association, then they're less likely to run to the potty on their own. Yeah, and that's that's wonderful because that happens with adults too, where um, you mentioned personal training, like, um, you know, as motivated as you are when you start a program, at some point you're going to not feel like doing it, even though, you know, you, you come to the time you've allotted and you got, you know, yourself all dressed, but you just don't feel like it. And, um, the important thing there is that you have natural reinforcers that you're accessing in your natural environment through the course of your day. Um, like, for example, if, um, if a personal trainer was working with someone and they're, you know, showing them the change in metrics, you know, this is, you know, your, your body fat's going down, your muscles are you know, getting bigger, your weight's changing, whatever it is, or you've been engaging in this program, you did it five straight days this week, that's awesome. You know, those are, those are very reinforcing and wonderful to look at and review. But the other thing you want to prompt people to think about are those reflection questions about the reinforcers that they can contact very readily in a natural way. Like, how do you feel when you wake up in the morning? Uh, what does carrying the groceries in you know, to the house feel like for you? Does that feel any different? Or picking up your child or what's going to bed like for you? Are you going to bed quicker? Or even just the, um, that special tired feeling that you get after you work out, you know, um, noticing that and making it, you know, recognizing that it's something special, appreciating it. And then it becomes a reinforcer that 
promotes continued responding to that, you know, helpful habit of following your workout routine. Yeah, that's great information. And we talk about a lot on here. Uh, one of the most important parts about the personal training session is what I call the update phase. And I, I, my clients always win. And what I mean by that is they give me an update. I say, when, when did you last eat? How are you feeling today? Did you sleep? What's going on at work, right? While they're warming up, they tell me all this information. And then I adjust accordingly based upon their responses, right? So if Sally didn't sleep last night, and you know her, her toddler was up and she's trying to uh, potty train her toddler and uh, she had a bad day at work and she didn't get a chance to eat well then we're going to do an easy workout we're going to do something that sally enjoys today right sally sally's paying she always gets to win i'm not going to do the difficult program that i had planned for her initially because of all of these things and i think you know having a, a professional that understands that because what is the point of going to somebody if they're going to be pushing into your limits on a time when you don't need to be pushed to your limits exactly exactly and that's the back and forth that's missing when you follow some kind of like restriction program. And that's exactly what you need to do for yourself to be your own personal trainer, like you described and take into account your situation and adjust accordingly. Yeah. On the technical side of the app, uh, were you involved in that at all? Was that difficult? Sort of like the, the creation of it and getting everything to maybe look aesthetically how you want it? What, what sort of role did you play in that? Or were you specifically just dealing with like the context and the content? Um, yeah, I, <laughs> when I pitched this idea to my husband, I said, oh, it'll be, you know, I create all the content up front. I do all the work and it'll be like, set it and forget it, you know, and then it'll just be like an easy thing that's up in the app store. And uh, no, there, there's a lot more to that. Um, but I did, you know, start with just the content and the, um, the technical side and the design was done by the developer. And the big thing, the big contribution I made to that was my choice of developer, which was its own learning experience and, um, did take a lot of time. And, um, I did learn, you know, from that experience, how to do that sort of in interviewing developers, people who have done other apps in the past, do you have the chance mm -hmm. to like look at their former apps to say like, oh, I, I saw this company did this one. This is something similar to what I want to go. Is that is that sort of how the process goes? Yeah, definitely. That's, that's how I started. Um, the other thing is um, paying attention to how they responded to me and if they were understanding what I was talking about, what I was trying to do, and if they thought it was a good idea. You know, it's when I started, I was like, okay, yeah, I'll make the content and we'll develop it and we'll just kind of, you know, stay in our lanes and work together. But really, um, there is overlap. You know, they they are invested in your product because as long as you keep it going, they'll be able to continue to develop it for you. And um, the developer that I ended up with is very interested in product development. You know, how are we going to respond to user feedback and make this better and better and get people more and more engaged? Um, other, you know, one of the indicators I learned, and I'm trying to apply this now as I look for people that are going to help me market the app, is are they bringing other people to the meetings? You know, if I have more than one meeting with a company, I'm hoping that they start bringing other people into the meeting to talk to me, to kind of interview me as I interview them and kind of like see if, uh, if this is going to fit together. And um, 
the um, the developer I chose um, to do that. And other developers, there was one developer I, I was really looking at who just ultimately didn't didn't understand what I was trying to do. That they they didn't think um, it was a good idea. So that would not be a good fit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it, uh, it's difficult. I'm I'm in the same space. So uh, they speak a different language, a lot of these people, and and I and I say that um, it, I, I say that with no fault to them, but sometimes they're so smart, and their their wavelengths, they're, they're thinking on another level, right? So they're thinking from the 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 computer technical side exclusively. Maybe they don't have this the the marketing background. Maybe they don't have the understanding, obviously, of who does of what you do in the behavioral analysis sort of field and what the market wants. So it's it is really hard. When you're, uh, and then it's it's hard as for someone like me who was dealing almost exclusively with uh, people who are looking uh, to get health, uh, excuse me, get help in health and fitness, or personal trainers who are looking to get help and better their business, right? So I was talking to two people exclusively for so long, and then when you start talking to the technical people, their minds don't work the same way. So you have to learn this like strategic two-way communication is a little bit different. Um, and how do I relay that information to them? And also, like, not not take not to take anything personally, because sometimes uh, these people don't have any idea w the world that we live in and what we do, and they just they just know the numbers. So mm -hmm. it, it it is really difficult, and that's that's why I brought it up with you just to see your experience in it because it's it's been tough on my end. Yeah, I saw that you were developing an app. Is is that something that's out yet? So no, it's not. I mean, I, I have two pieces of software. So I have something called Skipwish, which is a registry for all occasions. So I'm a co-owner in that. So a lot of registries you go on to, let's say, like Target, and all you can do is add gifts from Target. So if you're uh, if someone's getting married or if they're having a baby or even if like, let's say, in Christmas, you want to you don't know what to get your family. Everyone can go on Skipwish. You can create a list and add gifts from anywhere on the internet and you can just share it with your family or you can leave that list public so everyone can go on. So that's one, that's one of the apps slash software I have. And the other one is, tr is, is truly fit. It's a branch off of this. This is sort of a marketing arm for it where personal trainers can find clients. Personal trainers can go on, they can list their services, they can list their profile, and then clients can go on and they can seek out someone specifically. They have like, I don't know if you've ever heard of ClassPass, but it would be like ClassPass, except ClassPass is for gyms, where this is for individual personal trainers. So it's okay. still in the works. Uh, as you know, it's always more difficult than you think it's going to be. So there is no great time to do a difficult thing. So it's like even if there's one or two glitches, it's like, do you just launch it and figure out the problems afterwards? Because if you're trying to fix every problem, you're, you're never going to launch it. Um, yeah. but at the same time, you need enough, enough things where you feel confident in that it's ready to be launched and we're just not there yet. Yeah, that's so true. We did a kind of a soft launch where it's up in the app store and I uh, was doing beta testing with, sure. um, some, you know, family and friends and people who were, um, found mm -hmm. us on social media, but yeah, at some point you just have to do it. And, um, uh, no way is in that state now where it's, um, completely usable by um, the general population. And now we get to do the fun part, which is take what the beta testers were saying and continue with development to make it more engaging and um, more meaningful and really more than just a wellness weight loss app. I really envision it as a mental health tool. And I'm thinking specifically of 
the moments in your day when you're like, you know, waiting for your doctor's appointment or you're um, feeling unsettled at home and you, you just need to, you know, engage your, your brain in something and you open your app and your options are, you know, games that might become frustrating or social media, which sometimes changes your mood the wrong way or, you know, news headlines, um, you know, which are also terrible. But um, I always go to see the Royals. I have like Apple News knows that I love to read about the Royals. So I look at my Royals headlines, which are always fun. But um, but what about like, what if you could um, feel like that unsettled feeling or have some time to kill and open your phone up and look at no way and see what people are posting about um, what was the best part of their day today? Or what are they looking forward to? Or um, what what are the intentions that they're using for their weeks that they're finding most inspiring and helpful? And those are the types of um, development that we're doing now for um, version two, which we're hoping will be ready for the weight loss season in December and January. I love that. Do you expect, or maybe you already have metrics, people to be using this, let's say once daily, multiple times daily, maybe not, maybe just once weekly. What What, what is the expectation? What is reality? How, how, how do you like foresee this? Even maybe not now, maybe a year from now. Uh, that users should really try to use it um, before bed. You know, I use it, I open it up when I'm like under the covers, like ready to kind of, you know, start reading my book. And um, it takes, you know, like three minutes to do the reflections. And I try to do that five times a week. And that's really the, you know, minimum effective usage that's being recommended. Um, there's also going to be, and this will be um, available soon, a morning reflection where, um, you're feeling like you're just getting started or you're having stressors in your life that you need some extra, you know, oomph, you can open it first thing in the morning and kind of take a couple minutes just to answer two questions to anticipate what your day is going to be like and what the barriers are going to be like and how they're going to um, interact with your weekly intention and uh, make it harder and what can you do to, um, plan to plan ahead to kind of combat that. Is it a negative to be too structured? I know these questions seem to be like getting your headspace in a proper place, but like if there was another step, maybe not even to your app, but if someone were to take the next step, like, oh, I need to plan the day and they go, okay, well, I'm going to like write everything down what I'm doing for the day. Is that a good thing from, from your analysis? Do you think that goes too far and then people drive themselves crazy by, by like over planning, so to speak? Uh, I'm someone who's very susceptible to checklist brain and I think, you know, I get it multiple times a day and, uh, my husband can just see the look on my face. Like my eyes start to <laughs> always like checklist braining. Um, and I use like the notes section on my phone and there's so many, so many notes, so many notes and checklists. Um, so, you know, I think for someone like me that can get a little obsessive quickly. Um, but someone else, um, that can be helpful. I like for those two reflection questions in the morning, it's, it's, um, really about orienting your mood and, uh, getting yourself like looking forward to your day. What are you anticipating today is going to be a really great thing. What's, what are you looking forward to? And then also, um, what, 
recognizing ahead of time what those barriers are going to be. And there's things that are going to throw you off, you know, having a bad day when you anticipated having a great day. But um, having those, you know, strategies identified beforehand, and then, you know, knowing, oh, today, I'm going to feel tired. So I have to remember to stretch, you know, and just reminding myself of stretching is, is reminding me that the the toe touches have been feeling really good. And I'm going to do those and maybe a downward dog. And this is where I'm going to do it. And this is how it's going to feel. And then you're just you're just ready. And when you hit that context, you don't have to worry about reminding yourself, you're just going to be ready to, to do what you intended to do towards um, strengthening these responses. Do you see an advantage for people doing this together? And let me tell you like what I was thinking of. I feel like when you say something out loud, sometimes it helps, right? So if you were in bed and you were reading it out loud and you said what you felt were the answers to the questions and then your husband said what he felt, is that even maybe, does that like imprint more so than just like saying it in your consciousness? Um, yeah, maybe the um, reflection questions you do write in. So that does you okay. know, yeah. make it bigger. And there'll also be um, sharing boards where you can read what other people wrote about their parts of the, the best parts of their day. Um, and that was actually inspired by my continuing education business because I was giving people mental breaks and asking them what the best part of their day was so far and what they're looking forward to in the week ahead. And then I was setting up those forms so that I'd get an email with their responses. And I just noticed I would open my work email and I would always read those first and they always made me super happy, you know, or I would see a couple and just, and just wait till I was kind of feeling, you know, frustrated and open them and they would really change my mood. So um, I think there is doing it together is, is so important. And especially when someone's trying to change something about themselves and they have a feeling of dissatisfaction or disconnection, bringing other people in and normalizing it and just, you know, there's no setbacks. There's only learning across along the way. There's no straight line. It's, it's a continual evolution and you don't know where you're going to end up. You have to just continually respond to how it's going. And that requires reflecting and uh, evaluating as you go. I really like that you make them write it in. I think that makes a huge difference, right? I, in my mind, that wasn't the case. I thought it was just, you know, you, you read the question, you sort of like answer in your brain as opposed to like taking the time to actually think and write it out really gives you, I don't know, maybe more clarity on your answer. You're not going to lie and, mm -hmm. it, and it imprints a lot better than you just, you know, letting it sort of flash across your brain and then and then be out and then forget it about it. Does. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, last thing here on the sort of the, the habit building, you know, in, in the personal training space and the fitness space and the health space, people are obsessed with this now, you know, optimization, building habits and, and so on and so forth. Uh, for me, I believe sometimes it goes too far, right? The, the optimization, the, the habit building goes beyond what we, you and I have discussed, sort of f feeling your body and, and understanding that, you know, there, there's more to this. Um, is there a point in which, I know it's a tough question, but the habit is just not working and you just have to pivot. You're like, I, I've, I've tried so many times to do this, whatever it is. Like I've, I've tried to eat at four o'clock and then at seven o'clock and I just, I can't do this. Do you just pivot? Do you just say, maybe, maybe I'm not built for this? Yeah, um, definitely. I think, and that's what I meant by um, 
evolving and not having this, this, you know, cemented endpoint that you have to get to. And then also the way you start the journey can really, um, minimize that problem where, um, and you know, step counting might be a good example of this, like where, um, you decide you want to start counting your steps, which got wildly popular. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, one day it's raining and you can't walk your dog, you know, or, they painted and there's fumes and you can't take the stairs or, or you feel like riding a bike or you feel like going swimming or you feel like doing yoga. And that's what your body's telling you to do. Um, having that flexibility and the, um, the, the habit of reflecting and paying attention to your body and just beginning with what, what do I, what in the past worked for me? you know, is telling myself to eat at certain times, really how I tend to eat, you know, is, is it better for me if I can feel my body feeling hungry and, um, pay attention to my arousal levels and have snacks available to me that will wake me up like apples and crunchy carrots um, as opposed to, you know, my giant bag of m and <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. I, the, like, and that's, that's such a big part of habit building is just the evolution that's informed by how it's going. And you don't know that until you get started. We were talking about HRV on the podcast, maybe four episodes ago. And uh, the gentleman who was on explaining it, he's a, he was a, a sports scientist for uh, Ohio state. And he said, if your stress device is causing you stress, it's time to like reassess the situation, right? And it's really those people who look at the numbers and they say, I didn't get my steps in today. Mm -hmm. I have people who are very close to me that literally cannot work out unless their recording device is on them. Mm -hmm. um, and and that's, uh, that is not a good thing. You should be able to just go for a walk. You should be able to just go to the gym and not have a plan. Decide mm -hmm. once you get there. Do a little warm up and say, hey, you know what? I'm just going to go play basketball today. I'm just going to go swimming today. I'm yeah. I, I'm going to I'm going to move around and and not have a plan and and not have metrics associated with this because it's just mm -hmm. uh, you, you you need a uh, it should be just as important physiologically as it as it is psychologically and I think it's it's not looked that way and I'm glad uh, no way is 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 helping people come come to grips with that. Uh, let our audience know here how they can find no way on the app store where they can maybe reach out to you individually and any other information you want to talk about. Oh, yeah. Um, it's available in both app stores. And um, there's also a blog and social media. And you can access both from the website, which is just no way, W-E-I-G-H dot com. And uh, you could also reach out to me and ask me a question from there. Um, you can email me anytime at support at no way dot com. I'll put all the links in the description. My guest today has been Valerie Evans with No Way. Thank you for joining the Truly Fit Podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us on the Truly Fit Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review on your listening platform, and feel free to email us. We'd love to hear from you. Social at trulyfit.app. Thanks again.